Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. Sitting across the living room from me today, Mr. Ryan Fine. Hello, Aaron Shilb. How are ya? <laughs> are you making fun of my radio voice? No, I just wanted to see how it felt. <laughs> I think this would be my version. Yeah, I would love to hear... But I'll settle in. <laughs> I, I would love to hear everybody's impression of my stupid radio voice because like when I no, host the shows, I definitely am doing a character. Right. No. And well, it's what gets people's attention. It does. Because if you walk up on stage and you're like, hey. Normal. And then people are going to think like you're just a guy on the stage <laughs> yeah. drunk who's just like, hey. Hey, what's up, guys? You got to have authority. Like, is he? what's happening it's like he's supposed to do he's this? supposed to be yeah is he supposed to do this you have to like be a wedding singer when you're like hey if you were in kappa delta gamma then head to the staircase for your picture to get taken and like then people will actually go yeah otherwise they'll like be like i have to do that fuck? that character because a lot of times people just don't pay attention and i've gone to those rounds where mm -hmm. i see the host who's just kind of meh yeah yeah uh-oh called out and you're who, like oh, who are you well, thinking if the of person who's in charge isn't excited why should I be excited? <laughs> right. You have to be entertaining. Mm -hmm. We're in the entertainment we're business. We're entertaining right now. That's the goal. If you're entertained, please write in an email. Comment, I'm entertained, I'm entertained. AF <laughs> at, this, at whatever second. Actually, Spotify has this cool new feature for podcasts where you can actually like comment on the episode and then it directly oh. sends it to my email inbox. So oh. I think Whoa. that would be a cool way for like, artists fans to interact with artists yeah if, if you like the song you just like you comment on the song on spotify i hope there's some kind of filtering involved with that because you know what people need... could say like let's just spam up aaron right now and he'll, you'll know what i'm talking about <laughs> check your email september yeah, 28th be like well i didn't feel a good thing coming <laughs> oh yes good segue into my song called segue, good and that was that was pretty smooth that was <laughs> That was. Is that well, your favorite song of mine? That was. You put that one out earlier this year, right? Or last year? It's, it's a whole thing. Some a of the songs thing? have been out a while. Some of them are coming out soon that are all going to be on the same album. But I've, I've been like a songwriter first. So that's always been the priority. Cool. So when it came to putting together an album, I just had my own. I didn't try to force it. And eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But yeah, Good Thing may have come out in 2020 or 2021. That, that was like 12 years ago. I know. Well, time is a dirty thing. <laughs> so I start all the episodes by asking the guests how we mm -hmm. met. Do you remember the, the, the tale? Yes, it was a long time ago. In a galaxy far, a, far away. In a galaxy so far away that it's like three blocks from here. Yeah, three blocks. Not from that you need to know where Aaron lives. <laughs> But it is really close. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> it was a joke. It was a joke. Or is it? Or is it kind of like a mid-level distance? I think, that, I think no, we it's... should just leave the ambiguity in there. Yeah, we met at a bar um, because I was able to play a songwriting, a songwriter's round. That's probably what I called it at the time. The a songwriting round. round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a round of songwriter people. Yeah. Uh, so it was my first round ever, but it wasn't at Belcourt Tap, so it was somewhere right. else. And I asked you to to join the bill because of like a mutual friend mm -hmm. said that you would have crushed it, and you did. So that so was, that's how we met. We played a round together and met by that was at uh, the local. Yeah, it was at the local. Gotcha. But at the time, it was called Whiskey Row, right? No, the Whiskey Row is Dirk Bentley's bar. That's a new Broadway. thing. 
Whiskey Rhythm? It was the Southern. The Southern. The country. The country. I think no, it was, that, yeah, there's something so basic like that. I'm like Yeah, they all kind of There's the no same. there's no wonder they changed it. It was I'm called sure, the country. I'm pretty sure we've just named like twelve bars in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, and they all have great music in them. I would say most of them, yeah. Well, you're working on making sure every venue in Nashville, <laughs> and I think you're going to work on the whole universe at this point. Yeah. I mean, your, your business has grown so much. It's, it's amazing. And I got to be there before even you started it. So we met in 20... It must have been 2018. 2018? Or 2017. So when did you move to Nashville? That was the year I moved here. In 2017? 2017. What's your Nashversary? My Nashversary must be on a hot frickin' day because I moved in on a hot day. The day I decided to try to do music. So you grew up in Cincinnati? Yes. And did you start doing music up there just recreationally or did you go to like music school? Yes. And then I started doing it medicinally, <laughs> medicinally. at some point. Yeah. I picked it up in high school, bit of a late bloomer, but I was doing covers of Beatles songs with my friend Jeff. We're okay. still best friends today. And I would play drums. And you played drums? Yeah, that's my, that has been what? my main instrument. My dad was a professional drummer. He went to Berkeley and did the, the session scene in L.A. for a little bit. And I had no idea. He decided to take his talents into furniture. So when did the keyboard start being part of your life? The keyboard started being a part of my life my sophomore year of high school. I just okay. wanted something I could sing to. Like I started getting some confidence with our creatively named group, Ryan and Jeff. <laughs> and I started he kind of taught me how to sing like we the first song I tried to sing like seriously not trying to make a joke um was Grace is Gone by Dave Matthews nice I, I, do you know that song I do oh, I'm a so bit I'm a I, I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit I'm a fan of Dave Matthews oh he goes hard he goes hard jam bands man yeah he like it's the highest level of musicianship if you go to one of his shows I've only seen them once, but I saw them live in St. Louis. And I mean, their shows are like nonstop for like three hours or something. Right. You got to cancel bonkers. your plans. And it's not like they're just up there playing cowboy chords 4-4. Like they're doing no. a bunch of really intricate arrangements in all of their songs. Great grooves. Like, Great solos. Uh, Big yeah. Whiskey and the Groove Grux King was actually one of the first Dave Matthews albums that I really got into. Mm-hmm. And... uh Tim Reynolds. Tim Reynolds. I was just going to say that shit was so good. He's so good. And then after I discovered that album, I just kind of fell into a hole that is Dave Matthews. Right. They've got like 40 live albums or so something. So prolific. I mean, he must just have a guitar on him at all times. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that just seeing Dave Matthews just sitting at a, a place Chilling. where he can't go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess you could be prolific if that like, you found your thing to do. Like, okay, all it has to do is have crazy chords, have amazing lyrics, um, be impossible to play, <laughs> and make people like bounce their head around and tap their feet, even though they have no idea what the hell's going on. Dude, I got a, a video on YouTube like recommended to me, and it was why are Dave Matthews songs so hard to play? And yeah, his hands it was just this huge. guitar player showing just like the weird chord shapes and right. like. A Crash Into Me, for example, isn't right. like, that difficult of a song, but the fact that the guitar has this like walking bass line in it, but it's got the pedal tone at the top. For it's sure. Like, it's hard just keeping your hand locked in that position so perfectly for so long, but boy, howdy, does he do it. He has crazy muscles in his hands. He must and use the those, muscle like, memory exercisers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that's cool. But you've been shredding too lately. You've been working on that. I could, I remembered when you started like picking that up, like getting into lead guitar. Mm -hmm. That, that was cool. That's awesome. How's yeah, that, how's that guitar, coming along? You can see my, a couple of my axes here on the wall. Oh, I've yeah. got a frame of Beretta Danger Zone, which is an 80s hair shredder guitar. And then I've got a 1960 reissue Les Paul. But yeah, they are, uh, they are a couple of my, my faves. But that's I, interesting how the neck points at you. Which one? Isn't that different on the left? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like kind of like a creative's guitar. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And, like with that that whammy bar, I can just depress the strings all the way and make them go totally loose, and then wow. do those huge dive bombs. Like a pedal steel. <laughs> have you used it in your recordings I, on your demos? I, I mean, I have a couple that are like my SoundCloud demos. Um, yeah. But I've kind of put a hold on a bunch of the releasing of music. Like I've written a bunch, but um, the place that I live is not great for recording. Uh, like live vocals because i've yeah, got a nice that. high ceiling which makes it really echoey good for drums great this would be great for drums dude i would love to bother all of my neighbors tracking drums in here <laughs> hey just get them a pizza and say it'll be done in 30 minutes i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'll hear this take six times and then it'll be over for sure yeah but uh the less paul i have used on some more stuff but this guitar behind my desk this mm -hmm. gold ibanez I used on just about every record that I've ever put out. And I have cool. a Strat copy in my bedroom that's in, it was like my first guitar ever. The, the whole like, uh -huh. I'm 15 and I play the guitar now. The one that cost $125, you know. Bam. But yeah, I've got that Strat copy that was most of the, uh, most of the early recordings. But this gold Ibanez is really the, the workhorse. And you can see the white pickup that is... Uh, not matching the other one i actually hot wired that in there having no previous electrical experience okay when i was like 15 or 16 maybe 17 at the latest i just took my two electric guitars that i had asked my dad for a soldering iron didn't say what for didn't say what for and my dad of course he's just like yeah sure here you know if 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 i had a 16 no, you should year ask old, yeah you should like, ask why yeah he was just like sure it's downstairs was there a game on was there a game on um, probably something that was distracting him <laughs> yeah. from, from realizing. What okay, I was going so you to did do. your thing in the workshop, and yep, you I did just a, took the guitars like, down there, cut them up, and like just was like, okay, so this wire goes here yep. on this one, so that means the same wire here on this one would go to that one, and I just kind of A to B it, and that's great. Thank God it still works, and it doesn't sound like crap. And you you feel like it has your DNA in it because yeah. you gave it the Toy Story. Yeah. kid next door said treatment yeah. like it's i could see the baby head sticking out of it it was really yeah, nice it's not actually an expensive guitar but it's got so many like nostalgia dollars built it's into you it. yeah it's like it's something like that's just you have mm -hmm. i used it on my very first album ever which was with a band in high school called lot 56 and cool. we were an alt rock band but we were also like prog rock and like i didn't realize that we were like doing mixed meters in our music oh you were like this is the this part and this is the that part that's literally that's yeah. literally like and this is just how the riff goes right and you just it's by ear yeah and, and feel we didn't know better and now looking back on it the first song that i ever wrote was in seven four and then it changed to four four and then it would change back to seven four but then the melody would have tritones in it 
which for those of you who aren't music theory nerds, tritones are like no-nos. Yeah, that's and, the devil's harmony. Yeah, the the devil's harmony. And you, you're a bit of a theory nerd, aren't you? Yeah. So I love it. You, you, I assume can read music and everything now. Yeah, I can. I read chord charts, like jazz stuff. Gotcha. I'm most comfortable with that, and that's that kind of ties back well into how I got started was just learning learning from Beatles songs, mm-hmm. and I had this Beatles. It's the complete Beatles songbook. It's like a cream colored textbook, which I cool. I treated it as such. And it was just, I called it the gig saver. You know, if I was I was playing at a, an ambiance thing, it's like every like you cannot go wrong with these songs. And it it taught me basic songwriting structure and like the different options because they never repeated much of the right. same song form. Got to learn like a bridge and a hook. I mean, they had they had their general form, but like there were always those standout songs. I was thinking about that because they all of their songs sound do sound very signature to themselves. Yeah. Like they're not copying the same C G E minor D. Well thing. compared to music now it's just no right. question. Right. Like what's uh Hard Days Night? Yeah. Just like the opening chord, you hear it and immediately your brain is like, this is an interesting sound. Right. They knew the sonic identity mm-hmm. and like how to stand out, what was cool. They were, they were willing to take a lot of risks, but it it just showed me uh, you don't have to play because I took a couple of classical piano lessons. You don't have to play the exact same note every right. time that that stresses me out and I get lost in what the song is about. And it I always was worried about that exchange you're having with whoever's listening, whether it's just a friend or a girl you're trying to impress. Like they're not gonna be like, oh my gosh, you played that perfectly. <laughs> it's note like no or note, right? You nailed it, and in tempo, <laughs> let's do this thing. It's like no, the human connection is always the biggest thing, and I feel mm. like the Beatles crushed that in their songwriting. There was always an emotion involved, whether it was like let's just party and twist and shout, or from Blackbird and making a cultural statement. Right. And it's like every song has a point, and I liked the heart of the hearts of their songs so i tried to carry that over and i started writing my own songs senior year of high school i had only written two songs before going to music school what was uh, what was your first song called i thought i saw you i thought i saw you that sounds like a that sounds like an yeah yeah an emo boy song like i had plenty I of thought those. i saw you <laughs> saw you walking alone like little red, <laughs> red hot chili peppers influence very Thought I heard you, heard you hang up the phone. <laughs> so pretty basic. I think a really fun songwriting round. Oh, would, your first songs. The first song. But like performed better. And perform, maybe perform can, it better. Or just the good good parts. Yeah. Or just like a chorus. Yeah. Or maybe if it's nine minutes long, maybe just oh, no. trim it down. That was always a thing. Like I would do I would have some songs that were too slow and then would feel totally different, sped mm-hmm. up and more normal, more listenable. But that's how you learn. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've appreciated about your music is so much of it is just, I, I don't want to just use the word like bop, but just kind of my head bobs along with it. I'm like, this is, it's just got a good, it's got a good rhythm to it. And none of it makes me like mourn. Like I don't feel like depressed listening right. to your stuff. Well, I, I really hold back on that and I, I pick my morning songs. <laughs> <clears throat> wisely i pick my morning songs wisely yes and there's one on the album called charlotte which 
my sister described it as a one way ticket to hell. So, and <laughs> in, in a good in a good way, it and like a like... self in a in a self respect they're like self introspective okay. kind of way where it's like the feeling I'm trying to capture the feeling of loneliness, feeling misunderstood, lost, all in one story of like a breakup where it's lonely out in Charlotte. Yeah, and it, it has a reference to burning a joint and just kind of which is unique and takes a little bit of a risk in the setting of such a simple melody and mm-hmm. simple arrangement. But I really tried to lean into how Phoebe Bridgers made me feel, Rustin Kelly makes me feel, telling a simple story and a simple melody, but just like sends you to a place you don't want to be to give the the happy songs context is the point of right. it in the album. I think what you just said is simple the 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 word simple is something that i think a lot of songwriters get lost on because they want something to be what's the truth whatever the truth is but yeah the truth is simple the truth is simple the the truth being like i'm sad or i'm lonely right and that's kind of what the beatles were Mm -hmm. good at too if i was to use them as an example like there's no subtext in a lot of the beatles song I mean, sure, there's tons of subtext if you pick it up. There apart. are alliterative devices yeah. in the lyrics which make the story memorable and repeatable and like give it a hooky mm-hmm. nature, which, which I like to have where I'll come across a phrase and be like, that kind of rolled off the tongue nicely. Right. And I really like words and telling stories. And that's just what songwriters are supposed to do. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. But you also play the guitar as well, right? Uh, enough. Enough. enough to get into a demo or shoot for a music video where I'm, it's not actually being played or listened to, <laughs> but it l- looks right. Yeah, and I know the, the shapes. I've, I have pretty small hands. Um, I, I tried so hard to get into guitar, mm-hmm. and I was like, I was uh, even asking my dad about it because I knew he was, he's a drum prodigy, and I'm like, what do you, what do, you do? And he's like, you can use cluster chords on the piano, and he like taught me some basic jazz mm-hmm stuff where this is the seven this is the nine you can actually put it below right. you don't have to play at root third fifth seven nine right. you can do nine or uh seven seven nine, nine root, three, three five. five or whatever extension you want to put on there and that um was like okay well i don't have to have huge hands and i could i stretched out my left hand just enough so i can reach an mm-hmm. octave but i can't really reach an octave with my right really? hand which which sucks octave. because i've got about an octave plus one with my thumb ah, pinky. Jealous. <laughs> yeah, I really wish I could do that. Um, I guess I'd have to stretch it out somehow. But I've gotten by. And my biggest piano idols are like Billy Joel, Ben Folds, and Elton John, and their parts are monstrous. Three legends. Yeah. Legends. They're monster pianists. Ben Folds was one of the uh, pianists that really got me more into songwriting rather than just... Yeah, me too riff writing because up until i was in high school and college like i was in just rock bands played the guitar i would write some of the lyrics but the singer in the band wrote most of it and then when i got into my freshman year of college i couldn't bring my big guitar amp and everything into the dorm but i could have my i could have my like acoustic guitars and everything oh yeah and i had to take piano classes and i was like well what kind of music can i do with what i do have and that was when John Mayer and like acoustic stuff came into my guitar oh, playing yeah. and Ben Folds started coming into my piano playing because Ben Folds has that song, Zach and Sarah, that's immediately just, wow. 
yeah. um, with, with the descending triads or something. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. it sounded so cool. And yeah, like, he it, uses the instrument differently. Yeah. And he it, beats, he beats it up, too. Piano music doesn't have to be boring. Right. Because... Yeah, that's interesting. Like, is that a, is that a stereotype? Mm-hmm. When someone's, like, up there with a piano on a stage, you, you think to yourself, they're going to be bad at that. <laughs> you you right? kind of do. But I'm not bad. No, you're not. You're entertaining. <laughs> there, there are some of these no, I'm, I'm bad. when you I'm watch horrible. them, you're just like, damn, okay. All no, I kind of know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like, it's, it's really hard to listen to someone just playing um, the same um, shape every time, which yeah. is probably why I didn't want to learn that way. Right. It's like, I don't want to play it the same every time. I want to play what feels right in this moment, and I don't want that exchange between the the music maker and the listener. That experience, that exchange, is everything. And like a ding, ding, <laughs> ding, done in the wrong way, or it sounds stiff. Only out of just this is all I know, because sometimes you want that. Like a lot of soundtracks mm-hmm. are have rep- repetitive motifs. But they meant to do that, and they could have done something different. I hate it when I'm watching a player who's like, this is literally all I can do. Sorry. And then it's like, you're, someone's better than you. That should be there. That's, that's, I really do think that. Yeah, those and, and that's, that's harsh, but like, like come on. Uh, You found me, like the fray. That's yeah. one of those ones that's got the walking bass line, but the right hand never changes. Right. And right, there like, are a lot of easy songs to play. It suits the, the song, but after four it minutes fits. of it, you're like, yeah, I get it. Right, <laughs> and that, that's, that stinks. You're missing out on people if you lose their attention like that. Uh, or at least be able to provide a sense of what the groove would be like mm-hmm. if there was a full band and try to represent the song because the groove is part of the song. Right, the groove is part of the song, and that's one of the reasons why people like Elton John are so good at what they do because thinking about like benny and the jets like yeah you're immediately it's the best bum, 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 bum. it's like my fail safe at my ambiance gigs if i'm losing them i'm like all right it's time for benny and the jets <laughs> we're gonna get everyone tipping and singing along and back to life here and is it like you're yeah, your writing a song cleanser like if you need one it's one of them um another one is walking in memphis people love that song oh yeah everyone loves that song they, everyone thinks it's their song <laughs> it's like one of those and fire and rain um come together i always play if i have if i only have one cover i always play that because on the keyboard really yeah I've, I've, i know the bass i have a certain arrangement that's just cool. kind of like like chromatic kind yeah. of like shift and it's just in d minor and then it goes it just gets everyone feeling good the the words are wacky yeah the lyrics are like what's going on and it kind of is an icebreaker because the Beatles, for mu- for music lovers, are for sure most likely to be a common denominator. Yeah, that's. I guess that's a good point. You kind of want to find something that, even if you're playing to somebody who's like seventy or twenty, right. they're gonna know that song. They're gonna yeah. Know they can the sing along and laugh at the funny parts. Or I like to do like little solos over it mm-hmm. toward the end. And I kind of want to start doing like organ for the solos. Like if I had a full band. Cool. Um, playing out more but it's not like something where i'm not always in the mood for something by the beatles Mm -hmm. but it's come together it's just like all right i can tap my toe for a little bit that 
It's something pretty hard. The way she moves, right? Yeah, it's like something. Like I could be like, I would, I could see myself rolling my eyes if someone mm -hmm. started playing that at a gig. Because it no November rain. <laughs> it's like not supposed to be listened to in public. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you know? one of those ones. It's just like you're at home. home. <laughs> yeah, you're at home. You're like with your with your person, just like chilling out or on in a car ride. I don't even know, but not not out live. People want to. Bob their head around. People do. We want to have a good time. Yeah. That's one of the things that's hard about running rounds and going to live music so much is some of these people <laughs> want to play those like really oh, slow, yeah. heart-wrenching songs. It's a tough sell. Don't. Like, if, if the room is quiet. You get one, though. You, you, you You're always allowed one. to have one. And it has to be banging. It has to be a banger. And you can't open with it. No, it's it's a two spot, three spot, depending on. Yeah. Or you can end with it, if you really want to. I don't really know. I because I we both we do funny songs too, mm -hmm. and song order when you're doing trying to work in a funny song, it's usually like a flex option depending on how the room's feeling. Right. Because if like the room is just totally dead, then you can try to get people laughing and at least paying attention again. Um, or if you think someone's kind of anchoring down the sad train over there you know <laughs> you can always try to help out the room and i, I feel like i've always mm -hmm. tried to do that for you for rounds is like try to really i try to balance it out that. if it's too if it's too country grooving <laughs> then i'm like i'll do something that's like charlotte yeah and i'm down to do that and maybe i have someone come on righty yeah if it's missing that vibe or try to i try to give what whatever's missing now to be a team player you're one of the few artists who have been on our sold-out shows at the listening room as well. That was one of the best days of my life. Thank I you for that. I have the poster uh, framed on my wall here in my, in my hallway. But yeah. uh, you made your mom cry from the stage that night. I know, and it made me cry, and that was some <laughs> bullshit. I, we've got footage of that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, we, from, we do. From the stage, you're like, I think I made my mom cry. I was like, I'm sorry, guys. My mom's crying right now. And everyone's like, what? All these Cracker Barrel folk, then they loved they loved it because like there's nothing like doing something that is your dream, you know, like playing for a sold out crowd where they don't know who you are, but the venue is vetted out as being mm -hmm. a great venue. And plus, Nashville Tourist Stop has such a great reputation; people are going to show up. It was a busy night. I think it was like a Thursday, or it was, or a, it was close to a weekend. It was a Thursday, and I think we had 277 people there that night. Which is oh, man. just outrageous. I, I felt really in my element. I was just like, man, I finally did it. Like it actually, I had that. I had that feeling because I could tell that I was doing. I was able to do my thing. Like I was able to bullshit and talk about mm -hmm. talking the moment on whatever's funny. And I, I think I talked about fantasy baseball with someone. I think so too. <laughs> and it's just like we're. I've I've learned that we're all so alike. And that sharing your story and having your story heard is just a beautiful thing. It is. And that's one of the things I would like to talk about more right after we come back on the podcast. Wow, that wasn't smooth. Are we on a podcast? This is a podcast. We we'll recording? be right back. <laughs> well, we'll come right back after a commercial break with Ryan Fine right here on the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. <laughs>
back with the Nashville Tour Stop podcast. Ryan Fine sitting across the living room from me today. It's true. He's it wearing true. shorts, and I can see too much. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that you, uh, you kind of dressed up for it. You're wearing a nice blue, blue button-down yeah. shirt. I'm a new man. I'm an old man now. I'm 28. <laughs> so I'm looking at life balances? differently. So I'm trying to look like Jerry Seinfeld here. I've got tennis shoes, jeans, and a button-down. That's a bit too small for me. Just like ever so Just enough too for small. like, well, he's like kind of fat, but he also kind of has some muscles. Yeah. It makes you look like you're super strong. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know. I'm already kind of locked down. I have a fiance, so I'm not really too worried about these things. I am as single as a person could possibly be. And I'm already just up. like, I unironically wear my new balances in public. Yeah. If you dress like Jerry Seinfeld, you'll have someone like that. Immediately because they're like, that guy's confident in the way that he looks. Yeah, it's like he's he's he he cares. He has business to take care of, but he also unbuttons a little bit, a little and bit, untucks it's a little untucked. bit, and it's not like they're clean shoes. So he's got a little. <laughs> he's down to earth, but trying. He's the everyday um, Midwestern American. Everyday Midwestern American sounds like the name of a really good folk album. Yeah, everyday. or a type of cheeseburger. Yeah, oh. like at, at the menu. That, on the menu, it's just like, if you want the everyday Midwestern American, it is three patties, lots of cheese, bacon, and then just like tater tots mixed with french fries as a side. <laughs> and then there's a loose onion ring that just kind of found its way into the bag. Yeah, so that's pertinent to my story and songwriting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, let's get back to me, man. Come yeah. on. We're talking I just about had to steal the PBR can out of Phyllis's mouth because she's been tearing it apart and she had something it's not like, actually a pbr can it is oh yes i should Let's clarify I should that stipulate it is not an actual pbr can it is a stuffed pbr that says pups blue ribbon yep. on it um and she's really mad that i took it away from her like she's she is watching this in my hand she goes between that and a glass bud light bottle <laughs> that's broken yeah but she Peter. can have that back she is she is a cute pup but she's not the brightest so let's talk about the new music you've got coming out, Ryan. How is the, uh, how is the new record coming? It is all set and done. And it it's is... all set in stone. It is coming out September 15th. It's already been out. It's already I hope, out I hope if you're listening been, to this. Yeah, I hope you've been listening. I have been, and my parents, at least. Um, <laughs> we're going to try to rack up those numbers one way or another. And yeah, I'm really excited for this album. It's called All I Need. Four of the songs are already out. Hang on, you make me believe. Good thing in June. Cool. And that's just the way I had to do it. Sorry, guys, but we're getting <laughs> six new songs all at once in one day. So it's some, it's somewhat pretty special. It's bigger cool. than an EP. How many tracks is it total? Ten. Ten. Bare minimum, my friend. I feel like nine would be the barest minimum. Yeah, dep- if they were really good. I wanted I to have. I wanted to show some range with this. It's it's like an album as an artist. But it's also an album as a songwriter. I wanted cool. to show some range and what full production would sound like. I did a GoFundMe to help me finish it off uh, to get the six songs done. And I asked for $6,000. It does cost more than that, surprisingly. <laughs> um, so that was just to help me just push over the edge. I had an amazing team working on it. Justin Johnson producing. I guess I'll go through the songwriting first. I have Melissa Sheridan writing um at least one song emma brooke i'm not sure if you're familiar with her she's incredible 
Justin Johnson, Austin Niverall, who is now crushing it as a producer and songwriter for Need a Favor by Jelly Roll. He's been just murdering it. I mean, it's like I'm in great company. And, yeah, uh, no kidding. And Andy <laughs> Sheridan, who is with uh, Tape Room. Um, I'm very familiar with Tape Room, and Ashley Gorley started mm-hmm. this publishing company that he's like a go-to producer and writer for. And it's it just nothing could go wrong. And Alan Solomon, who's at Concord, producing Joey Stamper, who's with Anthem Lights, co-producing. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just like, and Brandon Ellis, who we're familiar with. Be Brandon. Good friends with Brandon. And he crushed the guitars on a lot of the songs. He told me his first gig in Nashville was playing in your band. Yeah, that was a great time. Bus Call. Yeah, Bus Call. Good old four songs. I Get the heck that, off the stage. I remember that set. Yeah, that, I think it was my birth. Was it a birthday show? Something like that. that? I, mean, I think you were. Yeah, you were definitely at that one. Um, I got to do a little impromptu song at the end. because I, I was just on another planet, just happy and just to be to be a musician in that moment. So let's let's get back to now the these co-writers and producers. Yeah, the, how the team formed the, and... the full team. So, um, were you tracking this at home and then sending tracks off to be pieced together? Or yeah. did you track it all at the same I place? I would, I would just contemplate for days, weeks, and months about mm-hmm. which songs I was willing to record because I do write a lot, and I have a lot of different sides. Um, in choosing the songs and writing the songs for this album, I really found my voice. As an artist, because sometimes I write for other artists, and I just care about writing a good song, and not necessarily what would you call focusing your on genre my perspective. Of this album, power pop, power pop, power pop. Love it, it is how Daniel Tashian, who produced Golden Hour, described it. He said it was a power pop, cool. classic, and I really wanted to go to the nines with the production because um, it seems like you have to spoon feed the labels these days on what you could be. It's like not just a good song, right? It's like, no, you have to finish it and it already has to be successful and established brand. It's an oversaturated market, so no hate, reduce your risk all you want. But it's a little frustrating to have to put it all together, but it's a good challenge. Who, I don't know. Uh, who I did mixed the feelings on it. Uh, artwork for it? The artwork was done by Jason Matheny. Cool. And he's based in Cincinnati and does um, art for Walk the Moon and Casey Musgraves. That's sweet. He's the You've best. got a lot of. Good people back on this one. I try to, I try to keep it that way because it's I want to be proud of it, one, for, isn't it forever. Sorry, it'll debut at number one. No, <laughs> no, it's not. And maybe no one will hear it, but maybe, but I do know for a fact that I'm proud of it. And That's all that matters. It conveys what I wanted to convey, which was the chapter of my life. And so I've had an album. The first one came out in 2017, also self-produced, um, with a lot of help but indie definitely DIY style and that was about growing into independence and to just those that journey in your younger 20s of like I'm gonna do something so there there are songs like think fast about just go just do it Mm -hmm. and then those were the themes throughout the album and then square one was the EP that followed that which came out in 2019 and that was about dating, mostly about like heading back to square one and just some tongue in cheek about the dating scene and or or loss of a relationship. I guess if, a, if there was a breakup, uh, pretend covers that. And so I was like, this next phase is about contentment 
and learning about what I really need. And that's why it's called All I Need. And since the Square One EP, I met my fiance, Marissa, and she changed my life and showed me what was important. I proposed. Cute, sappy sound effects. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Little piano and a picture of her zooming in. Um, no, she's amazing. She's a first grade teacher. She's just like the purest, funniest, prettiest person. Just like it made, it meet- made music seem just like. How did you like two a job. meet one another? We met in high school. We went to different high schools, but she was in a choir. Um, and we did this summer, community summer singers thing. But uh, we went to Slovenia, Croatia, England, Italy, and it was like 50 wow. to 75 high school singers. She was dating someone at the time, and I was a little, I was two years older and mm-hmm. going to college like that fall. So nothing ever happened, but gotcha. we had enough chemistry as friends i guess and then i just one day was like hey on instagram obviously you slid into her dms slid into her dms so (laughs) guilty and i'm glad i did um i'm not i'm not too proud to say for those of me it could be worse right for those of for those of just me listening again it is okay to slide into the dm eventually it's got to work right eventually yeah she was like my 100th attempt on a person no this is me saying like i've slid into like thousands of girls dms before which is not true it's not thousands but it's it's more than one it's millions yeah yeah (laughs) so i was like no this was a genuine i was i was working on i wrote a musical man i really got to back up i started fine-tuned custom songs when COVID hit writing custom songs for any and everything if you could write a song and you, but you can't, then I'm your guy. Just explain what you want done, whether it's an anniversary, birthday. So I started that. Look it up on TikTok, fine-tuned custom songs. But out of that came an opportunity to write a musical for this high school that I did the choir trip on where I met Marissa. Wow. So that, that high school asked me to write a musical based on the story of Romeo and Juliet in like a power pop kind of style that I do. He said, do it kind of Ben Foldsy. And you wrote a musical. So did I wrote you a just musical. write the music for it? Or did somebody write the, the music, dialogue? Or was it the true collab- Romeo and Juliet dialogue? It was updated dialogue from Romeo and Juliet, which is now public domain. And I wrote the music in between the songs. I met with the director about okay. which scenes needed songs. What was their perspective? Where were they trying to go? Um, which, or like, what, what is it based on in the text that I can use as lyric material and like, kind of have an idea for developing the character in my head like the shopkeeper who sells Romeo's Deathly Poison I, I like gave him a a cool personality and like as a, like a interesting drug dealer and his song is called We Got the Stuff and I had like a <laughs> lot of fun like exercising that part of the creative brain so while I was there I was like maybe I could like see Marissa I'm, maybe, I'm in the schools again like I mean, at the at Sycamore, pretty often, um, I guess we'll just go out and say which high school it was, and I was like, let's see what Marissa's up to, because I saw her Instagrams and it looked like she was really happy and having mm-hmm. fun, had a good like attractive vibe going on just in general. I Did was you like, have to kind of approach we would it like writing a concept album, like knowing that it With, all had for to the, be for the like musical, yeah, somewhat like yeah, put I together. Mean, I just, I was just so excited to have the opportunity i've always wanted to work on a musical at some point and to get paid for it was was amazing that's the best yeah so i I did the musicals in high school 
Um, what was so, the musical called? R and J. Gotcha. Yeah, and some of the the hit songs from it are "What's in a Name" about just like right all the feud is about their last names essentially. That's the only difference. Um, is it something you would do again? I actually did. So we're, really? we're doing other Shakespeare shows, and we're just about to wrap. I wrote ten songs for Twelfth Night. So uh, Twelfth Nights and Illyria. So I got to learn about that. If you don't know Twelfth Night, it is Shakespeare's play about a brother and sister lost at sea, and um, she does whatever it takes to find him back. Which That's cool. Which is actually disguising as a boy and creating a love triangle. Are within, you trying to got? You want to get the Emmy, Grammy? I'm Oscar trying to just Tony. work and make music, man. <laughs> and it and if it, it ends up being that way, then great. But I feel like having a production company specializing in Shakespeare shows reimagined for high schoolers is probably a good. Are you a big fan of Shakespeare's of work? Just oh yeah. Well, weirdly enough, my uncle has convinced the entire family that we are loosely related to him. Really, William Shakespeare. Uh, we are related by marriage to his sister interesting well you heard it here first folks yeah <laughs> yeah so i it does kind of it, it, it's nothing like i'm obviously not bragging about it and it probably is not even true but it did change my perspective in this project of i want to do this right just in case we are related just in case. and he's a ghost in the room and he's like dude do not mess up my stuff <laughs> um but I had a great time writing this this show as well, and yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy to, talking about all these things with you that you probably never even knew. But I had no idea. I've, I've grown a lot behind behind closed doors, man. This yeah, is one of the things on I was telling you before we started recording. Why I love doing the podcast is because it gives me an honest excuse to get to know my friends deeper. Yeah, so that show's gonna happen in November. Come on out to Cincinnati, Ohio, Sycamore <laughs> High School if you're out there listening. Yeah, that's that's where the show's going to happen. And it's hilarious. It's a comedy, not a tragedy like Romeo and Juliet. So I got to flex that muscle a bit mm-hmm. with um, some one-liners or whatever comedic effect. I can't wait to see you on Broadway. We'll see. In not dirty Broadway Nashville. No, that, that would be Fancy Broadway New York. <laughs> that, that would be special. No, I just I want to make a good, honest living. I, uh, and I think that what you just said is correct. Make, just making a good, honest living, there's, there's no, like, sure, you would like to be the star. I'm not going to get greedy. Yeah. I'm sick of that effort. I think one of the things that's hard for, I don't, I don't want to say people like us, but for the lack of a better term, people like us, setting, like, realistic goals that don't, that don't disappoint you. Right. I want to do this, but you have to do that and that first. Yeah. And understanding and being humble, like, do I deserve that now? Or do, what do I need to work on to get that? Right. And just kind of putting the pressure on you is the best advice I could give. That's, oh, absolutely. Because there's some of these kids who move here, stars in their eyes, and they're Yeah, why am I not famous old. yet? It's like, and, and they're like, why I'll, should you be? Yeah, they're like, I'll be signed to Big Machine, opening for Taylor Swift next year. And then next year happens, and you're still working at Starbucks. And I'm like, yeah, that's having fine. Written, having written only five songs. Right. It's like one no, of which is if, good. If you want to make it, you have to make it yourself. No yeah. one, no one's waiting to help you. Yeah, no, like no exciting documentary starts in the stadium. All of right. the coolest biopics are all about the story of getting to the stadium. 
And yeah, it's the American dream. It's the American it's, it's dream. The pursuit Success. of happiness. Yeah. Pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or whatever you want to call it. It's just more exciting to finally feel like you earned the success. Yeah. And you probably had that feeling when, like, when did that hit for you with, with booking and Nashville Tour Stop? With Tour Stop, it really started, I believe. Because it's really crazy. You should be super proud. So it was probably around like the fall of 2020 when we were doing these showcases at Alley Taps. And that was back when the show went from like six to midnight or sometimes we'd go to one or if we just ran long. But it was the first time when I felt like people actually wanted to come to Tour Stop yeah. and weren't just like being there because like their friends are playing. They were fans of the show that you put on. Yeah, they didn't know who I was. And people just knew like cool. Thursday Tour Stop is like, that's where you go. Like uh, around that time was the first time I learned places like CAA were sending scouts to my shows. Wow. Yeah. So like, I know that's happening. And that's amazing. It, it's it that was really it because I was like, okay, so this is on someone's map. It's legit. This is on someone's no, radar. It's legit. It's and that's why I try to keep like a level head about it because obviously big record labels or big talent agencies aren't going to be at every show. But, they can't be. But yeah, we can't be at every show our friends are putting on. And they don't want to hear the covers, and that's your freaking mantra, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, let's play original music, and they, they know what it sounds like to do a cover. They yeah, already know. They know. They want to know new stories, find new people. Believe it or not, they're still wanna, A&R. We all want to have our next new favorite song. Yeah. And next new favorite that, song. that was really when I started feeling like it was, it was, I was doing something worth it. Yeah, because not that the shows I was doing at Belcourt before weren't like cool or fun, but it was more localized to like my close group of friends. And the the Alley Tap shows were when I started meeting people who didn't know that I was the person in charge. And that was cool because it, it was like five people, maybe, but it made me feel like, all right, this is this is growing slowly. And yes. I think that's how, like, whether it be in like an artist's career or a entrepreneur's career, like, they, you, it's skyrocketing to fame is not a realistic and not sustainable. You don't want it that way. Uh uh-uh. uh. Because then it might be something you can't handle. Yeah. And that's one reason why I'm really glad with the slow growth trajectory I've seen Tour Stop experience over the last few years is because I have been able to grow to learn how to manage more at the same time instead of just being thrown to the wolves which if I had to do everything that I do now, four years ago, I wouldn't have known what to do. Man. Yeah, that's, you just gotta live it to learn it. Live it and learn it. I mean, that's... It sounds, it's a cliche, but you're, it's totally true. You just have to do it, and it, you're gonna fail, and that's fine. So when did you start feeling like songwriting was a viable career option rather than just a hobby? Hmm. I knew I knew there was always right money in it. I, I think that was like was that something when I was learning about. No, I think it was something I learned in music school. Was like, oh, if you want to make money, if you if you don't want to just play cello in an orchestra, if you want to like do this to make money, um, well, my degree was in commercial music production and entrepre- cool. entrepreneurship as a minor, and I was like, I kind of yeah, kind of do want to make money a little bit. Is that okay? Um. Everyone was like songwriting. They get the royalties. There's at least intellectual property that la- carries over more than a one night mm-hmm. show. 
Um, so I knew that it was worth investing time into learning with all, all with knowing that it does make money eventually. But I don't really know if I've quite found that it does make me money in a sustainable way. I didn't have a really good run with custom songs, writing birthday or anniversary songs for people. But my my songwriting career is still just beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm working on a lot of songs with Anthem Lights, a Christian boy band, if you will. Mm-hmm. They're a singing a vocal group with amazing arrangements. Um, some of the most talented singers I've ever met. It's it's kind of crazy to hear in person that it's it's real. But they're called Anthem Lights. They have a pretty good following, like two million or so monthly listeners on Spotify. That's huge. And pretty good. <laughs> I've got I've got eight to ten songs on their next album that should be coming out. That's this incredible. Upcoming January. Where so, did you co-write or produce those songs? Co-wrote. Co-wrote. Yeah, and we really wanted to make. Christianity or whatever we are because they are a Christian band but I, my my goal with them was to make the songs accessible mm-hmm. and not too, to make the not Christian too overtly religious perhaps right well just uh, the parts that I mean everyone's trying to be free from anxiety and I have found a lot of peace with my spirituality and just it was a really cool opportunity to put into words because I take songwriting so seriously. I wanted to convey my spiritual relationship in the songwriting so people can relate to it or at least hear how it sounds coming from someone who is pretty no bullshit. Like I'm not going to just do something like I'm, I'm really independent with my faith. I'm not just Christian right. because my parents or my, my dad's Jewish. My mom's Catholic and I'm confirmed Catholic, but like I believe in God because I believe in God. Right. Like I, I have my own relationship with God. Does spirituality influence your, uh, your like power pop music or is that just part a little of bit. the songwriting thing that you focused no. in on these one, this one act? I think, um, I think my music is more about the worldly experience. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of this album in particular, all I need was very romantic and a, an homage to in an ode to just getting engaged and feeling happier just being with someone as opposed to achieving a thing in music or mm-hmm. just having quote unquote success but just having comfort and feeling understood and um yeah i mean it's it's a lot of intense mature so how did theme. you get connected with this uh, act that you were having the songs cut with? So um, John Boswick, who plays drums for Parker McCollum, went to sc- we went to school together, and he played drums for Anthem Lights while we were in college cool. in Cincinnati, and he introduced me to Joey Stamper, who does a lot of the arranging and songwriting for Anthem Lights because he knows that I like to do mm-hmm. songwriting and arranging. So we just started out hanging out as friends, um, getting to know each other, writing. We released Piano Man together, and then we wrote a song. Our first song we wrote together was Hang On, which is on the album, so he's featured on it. And I thought that turned out great. We were were able to connect pretty deeply and quickly, like just we're both open books and think similarly. It was like we have that that, uh, back and forth where it's like we challenge each other. That's good. I, my best writing is with him because I know he's a better writer than me. 
I've I've heard it many times on the show before where people choose to keep like keep writing with the same people who are better than them because it forces you to step up. Oh yeah. I'm like coming up with things that it feels like when I first started. Cause like I was just trying to make a song that made sense. Mm-hmm. And like now I'm trying to make a song that can win a Dove Award. Right. Like, I'm I really think that this album can do that for them. Uh they've crushed it in the cover space but never had that like what do you want to use your platform for right like how do you want to affect people that can become christians not just feed already existing christians just the same not necessarily garbage (laughs) but overused themes and like right it's not accessible to everyone when you say some name from the old testament like some people just need someone to say it's going to be okay because the the lord loves you Mm -hmm. there's there's a I grew up in the, the, the church doing, I was like in the bands and everything. I did choir. My dad was the, the, the music pastor and everything. And I grew up all, all around that. And it does, I don't want to say homogenize, but a lot of it does start to feel the same. Yeah. And it's nice that you can bring, shall I say, a secular approach to it, even though it is, it is secular. a secular you approach can, because you it's can focusing on a, more experience to it. It's focusing on anxiety, right? It's focusing on how, you can have peace with God, and this is how it looks like in a fun way. Like mm-hmm. you can dance, you can be happy, you can be jolly. These are all options, if, right? Like it's not a cut and dry step A B C period, right? It's not like I'm gonna make you feel bad and guilt you into being a Christian. It's check it out. It's fun, right? Like just check it out because, and I guess with my song "Good Thing," that is more philosophical than spiritual mm-hmm. where it's like just have a positive mindset it's going to be okay it could be worse it could be better don't focus on that fact that it could be better because like that. it like it could be worse and let's just focus on that and be your best self today do whatever you need to do or pivot however you need to but just um having some faith and offering god as an option for people to who feel helpless like I think that's a good message right so with this album now that you're putting out all i need what are some of the what what's a, like i don't want to say trajectory what would you like to see happen with this album would you like to be the foundation of the power pop artist ryan fine or are you trying to would you like to like see if this fits your genre as an artist and then yeah. maybe change if it doesn't yeah i think it was a creative process for me that um helped me find my voice I was like, this could be me as an artist. Mm-hmm. Like, borderline yacht rock. <laughs> melody heavy, harmony heavy, hook oriented, just like kind of nice. And I wanted it to fit in sync. So I'd love to get some syncs from it, TV and film, like some love scenes. Not love scenes, but scenes <laughs> in movies that are focused on love and finding your person. Um, I think that would be amazing. But really, I just... I'm already happy with it. That's awesome. Yeah, because I know how fickle this industry is, and I know it could take a long time. If not, it could just never happen. And that's like, that's daunting. But if you accept that, then it does allow you to make the music you want to make. It's just that's, like, if it's, if it's a long shot anyways, might as well just make it the way I want it. That's one of the things that I've, I've kind of come to peace with, shall I say, like with Four Stop, because I originally moved here to be a songwriter. 
and playing in bands and playing shows all the time and putting yeah. out records. Like that's what I wanted to do, but I love what I do now. Right. And I kind of have, I've kind of grown through the, the like identity crisis, so to speak of this is what I came to do right. versus this is what I'm doing now. And that like middle ground is that the rocky territory between both where you don't want to start the new thing because you don't want to give up the old thing, but the old thing isn't bringing you the joy that it used to. And the new thing uh, is you're like, you're kind of stonewalled between both places. And then I don't know what, what point it was when I just decided, you know what? Like, it's okay that that's what I came here to do. And it's not what I'm doing now. Right. Like, right. isn't there an old saying you can make plans and God laughs? Yeah. Man <laughs> plans, God laughs. Oh man. Uh, yeah. You get in, but you, who are you really disappointing though? Who was you, I what? Like, who could you really be disappointing? Oh, nobody. It's just exactly. you. So you can either I'm choose... disappointing the 17 year old in me who right. wanted to be a rock star. But they didn't, they didn't know life yet. The, oh God, I thought I did. <laughs> I know, me too. And All 17 year olds okay. think they know what's going on. It's okay to change your mind as long as you're being yourself. Yeah, I have really come to be much more what I would consider like an honest representation of my personality now. Like, the person I am when I'm at my shows is I feel like exactly who I am. I love yeah, talking you can to just my be friends. Free. I'm free, exactly. Because when I moved here, I tried to be cool. I tried to be relevant. Yada, yada, yada. And now that I'm not trying to do that, I feel so much more, like, peaceful. Yeah. Not trying to impress people by, like, I'm wearing these expensive shoes. Like, I, do, I, wear, my, I wear my New Balances because they... They help my feet not hurt. <laughs> and there's right, and if more you're more comfortable there, then you're more you. And the more you you are, the better chance you have. Right. I forget who it was I was talking with on the podcast a couple of weeks ago about dating and why, like, I personally am more of a homebody right now at this point in my life. I'm almost yeah, 30. Me too. And Friday nights, I love to order Chinese takeout, mm. sit on my couch with my dog and watch TV. Let's That's go. A, it's a great a great Friday night and some of these people are like oh well, you should be going out to like bars and trying to meet girls and I'm like the girl that I probably want to be with right is probably there. also at home with her dog eating Chinese or food. she's with her extroverted friend who doesn't yeah. want to be there and you, they have something to talk about that that's really the only thing I have to look for is just like maybe an the off friend chance got them thing. out. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah I can't uh yeah I had this funny song. I, I write these funny songs for my high school friends. It's called Bank on a Transfer. It's like, I'm, no one's going to go to homecoming with me, and I can't bank on a transfer student. <laughs> I've like, never heard this song. No, it's, it's very weird. So you write funny stuff. I love it. I love comedy. It's better than real conversations. When's the last time you had a real conversation? It mm -hmm. sucked, didn't it? So what are some of the other funny songs you've, uh, you've put out? Or maybe I plan not even on, put out, but I've I plan written. on potentially putting out funny songs. Um, as you as you can hear, I'm pretty busy with writing. Um, <laughs> for the next project, I know, I know. It's like, oh my gosh, I already have this album, the Anthem Lights album, another musical. <laughs> it's like four projects. I'm already from thinking. Now. I'm thinking ahead, <laughs> but I I do have a song called "I Really Hate John Mayer," <laughs> and it's I think very. I've actually heard that. Yeah, you've heard that one. I've been playing that one out more recently. I'm pretty recently. sure I heard you play that at Belcourt. Am I cool to play that this, this week? Sure. All right, let's do it. You can play it. that. I'll, I'll read the room. 
<laughs> but it seems like that that could be fun. I'm I'm still testing out songs to record. That's that's one way I like to test it out is at writers rounds and just get some feedback from people. I love writing funny songs. Yeah. So I really hate, hate John Mayer. Um, I have a song called Mr. Lawnmower Man. Mr. Lawnmower Man? Which is like, kind of like for kids, but it's still funny. Okay. Um, about like, I was just walking past, saw my lawnmower buzzing that grass, green with big yellow wheels, the kind that give me chills, hey there, Mr. Lawnmower Man. Just asking the lawnmower person to just watch them mow the lawn. <laughs> and it's it's written for a kid uh, i used to babysit who was obsessed with nice. lawnmowers and it's like he learned it on guitar and it's just i like, love that it's like this little inside joke i have um but it that and uh the tinder song um match me with someone who's more <gasps> i forgot about the yeah. tinder song tinder song match me with someone who's horny my god first line in the chorus i send my funny song ideas to my funny co-writer coley kohler all the time shout out and shout out coley kohler uh, the most recent song idea I sent to her is I wanted to do a parody of Dolly Parton's nine to five, but I want it to be about, right. a, I want it to be about a guy who's only five foot nine. He's just I'm only five, five foot nine. nine. <laughs> and it's about a girl Standing who doesn't want to date him because pedestal. he's too short. <laughs> yes, exactly. Waiting for some time. Yep. Because I, I just love comedy like that. Yeah. It's, it's so engaging and it's like. Not done enough, honestly. I did a parody of a Harry Styles song, uh, Watermelon Sugar. Okay, what did you say? I wrote it about wanting to eat pie. I want to eat a lot of pie. pie. I want to eat, eat a lot, lot of pie. pie. What kind of pie? Um, I, I think it starts with, tastes like strawberry on a summer evening, uh, even when it's warm. I like mulberries. It's something like, I just went through a bunch of different kinds of pie. Yeah. And it was so stupid. Right. And I love just, it's, it's like, it's outrageous comedy. That's like what Weird Al does. Like he wrote a song about how much he loved his pancreas. Like it's, it's dumb. Yeah. He, he is a uh, one King of a of kind. Stupid. King of stupid. <laughs> I feel like. But I want to release a comedy yeah. album myself of all of the comedy country music I've written. Yeah. What are some of your titles? Um, the third wheel in my threesome. The third wheel of my threesome. How to wow. write a country song. Cuck classic. Um, dad bod. That's you know that one. I know dad bod. Um, there's another one called getting off early. Like oh boy. Yeah. Uh, harassment. Oh my gosh, you need Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> no. Some of these all songs games. We can exist and talk about having to read the room. <laughs> no, like that's that's that would kill though if you have the right audience and you're like, ooh, I've got that in the back pocket. Like they're gonna love that. So the, I, I did miss uh, Flamingo Shirt, mm-hmm. which is about doing work in my Flamingo shirt. It's like Lonely, <laughs> lonely Island, just like ridiculously dorky, but being perceived as confident. Um, what uh, made you want to start writing funny stuff? Funny stuff. Ben like, Folds. Ben, ben Folds is hilarious. His songs are hilarious. He did that cover of Bitches Ain't Shit, which is not taken mm-hmm. down because it should have been. For, someone said the N-word in it. Did you used to watch his cool. chat roulettes? Yeah, that was funny. Like the that's uh, funny. The alt- I, I do. I tried to do that. I went on Omegle. Did you really? And I tried to be like, all right, let me let me just make up a song. And it's really hard. It's hard because they're like kids, and you're like, this is this is inappropriate. Like, this is what this is what kids do. Like, I, I need to get off of here. Can you do stuff like that on TikTok? Like going live? 
Oh, true. I did see this one freestyle rapper who was like, I do freestyle raps go on my live right now to prove it. And he's always on live. That's cool. And he just like says something about your username or whatever you say. But like, that's that's not really. I feel that's like not a career. Be, you'd be really good <laughs> at writing like improving songs like you did at your show at Teen I did. Root. I did do that. That would be if you ever did like a long part like a full hour show with a band yeah i feel like that could be a song of it because it makes it more interactive and engaging it's tough though to pull off you can't like because sometimes it's great and sometimes it's bad you might miss but if you got a good band and you're feeling good then it should should be all right um i also have that song psycho boyfriend (laughs) don't think i've heard that one i could be a psycho your psycho boyfriend (laughs) i think you have it just might not be that good. So that's why it's good to do writer's rounds to test the audience. We'll, we'll write some funnies together, I promise right, it's, you. It's a funny song. It's like when you came out, so everyone was like, <laughs> it's like you. And I was like, you're not unique. Everyone says that. Just kidding. I, I said, thank an- you. I had another terrible funny song idea that I texted Coley. Um, do you know the Tommy Two-Tone song, Jenny Jenny, 86753? Yeah, of course. I wanted to do a song that was for all of the... the 14 year old boy that i still am and you oh, know man how, like, i should go then yeah you turn the the calculator upside down it says eight zero zero eight one three five boobies boobies it's like it's so stupid but i want to do dumb funny stuff like that because wouldn't it be the other way around five one e but you type five it, one three yeah, eight five zero one, zero three, eight. eight zero zero eight <laughs> upside down and you <laughs> no that, yeah, was, that was bleeped I, doing kidding. stuff like that it was a bigger part of my like 2020 writing style because like i look back at it now and it feels like the the funny stuff was uh what's what's the word like a defense mechanism what was happening in the world yeah the world needed it yeah so i, I did feel weird about even making funny like sketches online mm-hmm. like what am I going to do, though? Right? right? What There was literally like, nothing else Can't to we do. agree that I'm not going to do anything to help the situation and that I can maybe make <laughs> someone laugh? Yeah, if I, can, if I can ease the tension for five minutes. I mean, some of the best comedies in the world were written during wars. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's we, fine. We're, we're trying to Let us figure out stuff. how to navigate a tragedy. Let us make stuff. <laughs> Well, Ryan, thank you for coming on the pod today. Tell us, of course. Uh, tell us Thanks some of your favorite me. things about Nashville that aren't necessarily music. Like, yeah. what are some of the places that you, as the person, like to go and not just use the artist? Yes, I love going to Portland Brew for coffee in the morning and to work on lyrics. I love golfing here. Ted Rhodes and McCabe, what up, y'all? I'm a frequenter there. They know my member number, nice. which makes me feel important. Which Portland brew are you going to? 12 South. 12 South. There's That's one, one East, of my faves, yeah. too. 12 South. Good deal. Good ambiance. It's a little loud if you have a meeting or whatever, mm-hmm. just so you know. But yeah, we got the, unusual, the regular suspects there. Uh, it's kind of fun to like go somewhere that you know people on any given day. And then I really love Joey's House of Pizza. Rest in peace. Rest in pizza. You guys were amazing. <laughs> they they retired their business but then now they're doing catering but i that was a, a staple for me in nashville and i really love um going to zany's on 8th avenue i love 8th avenue I'm a and 12 comedy dude 
Yeah, I've seen you at Zany's before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw Nate Bargatsky. We saw Sam Marill. Pre- Are you familiar with Nate Bargatsky? Yeah, of course. He just Nate performed. Bargatsky. At, he performed at the Oak Room, this new venue that we have at the Nelson's Greenbrier. Oh, Distillery. that we're playing this week. He yeah. performed at the Oak Room last night, like private, under the cover Let's show. Go. He's hilarious, and he's he's really clean. He's so funny. Yeah. He is the whatever it is, regular, everyday American Midwestern guy. He's the everyday Midwestern American guy. Yes, he is that guy. He's like, so I, I have these problems with my body because I eat fun food. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'm a Midwestern like, everyday yes, American. Yes, that's, that's me. Yeah, I know what you mean because those chicken nuggets are on my plate. <laughs> I had an idea for a comedy bit that I really wanted to go for, but I'm not like a stand-up guy. But... The, the whole premise of what I would just want the routine to be about is it would start with saying something like, you know, those are changing body videos that they show you when you're 14. Like, oh, no. Yeah. yeah and then everyone ahead. immediately goes, Ugh. and then I want to say, I need one of those, but it's our changing body when you turn 30. Because okay. Like, That's hilarious. There's something happening to me right now. Yeah. Where I'm just like, why all of a sudden just like my knee hurt. I didn't do anything to hurt it just happens unprotected i went to a chiropractor not too long ago because i was having back pain and i asked hey doc what can i do to like mitigate the back pain he goes oh no that's just like part of your life now like wow sounds like he didn't know anything about being Uh, a chiropractor who are notorious for being malpractice users sounds like i might not have been going to a good chiropractor yeah you can go to a different one you can go to a real one yeah because he did like stretch my stretch me and like pop my back and everything but i was like so is, is it gonna come back to hurt probably i would i would try somewhere else or after we hang up i can give it a, <laughs> give it a go well ryan thank you for coming on the pod will you give us you your plugs it. tell folks where they can find you absolutely online. yeah look up ryan fine r-y-a-n-f-i-n-e or check out my custom songwriting business fine-tuned custom songs and we have a good time i love doing whatever kind of song i'll swear in it whatever you want as if you were doing it yourself i'm your man it's not corporate like some of my competitors are and uh check <laughs> out the, check nameless. out the album all i need uh check out anthem lights they're awesome definitely check out their next album and maybe their next christmas single we'll have all of ryan's yeah. links in the caption or the uh whatever you call it episode link description we'll be having all of your info cool well thanks for having me aaron <laughs> Ryan, thank you for coming on today. Everybody, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. If you would like to follow us on our social medias, you can do so at Nashville Tour Stop. If you'd like to check us out on the web, you can find our full live event calendar at NashvilleTourStop.com. You can come watch Ryan Fine play. He's, he's been known to play Tour Stop every now and then. He sold out one at the listening room. I think we should do another. Have an amazing day, you average... Everyday American, American, Midwestern Americans. Yeehaw. (laughs) Y'all, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week for more on the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast.